Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brand. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of people living with and or affected by sexually transmitted infections. Welcome to the 100th by number episode of the show. I want to give a special shout out to Waxo, W-A-X-O-H dot com for their ongoing support of the podcast. You can go there and check out uh, some of the humorous posts that are on there we had josh robbins who is a spokesperson for datingpositives.com share his experience with a recent date well not date i guess because he got stuck on an elevator when the date was supposed to come over so you can visit waxo to check that out i also want to thank all of you listeners and all of the guests that we've had on all of the supporters of the show i'm so appreciative for your encouragement and support helping us get to this point i cannot believe i'm in the triple digits numerically of this podcast i remember starting out i thought i'd maybe get to interview one person a month but here we are with episodes releasing on a weekly basis and that's just thanks to you all encouraging people to check the show out and interacting with me um, in order to get to a place where you're open to sharing your story so I really appreciate that I don't have anything special planned for this podcast episode specifically Uh, I mean to me it's just another conversation so what I did want to do was incorporate some listener feedback So I reached out to the Instagram community and just asked if anyone had any questions that they'd like answered on the show. One really good question I got that I'm not comfortable answering, so I sought out uh, someone who was a bit more qualified than I am. Thank you, Elle. Um, The question is, what is it like for a sex worker performing sexual acts? How do they disclose and stay safe? I got this answer from L. Stanger, uh, one of the hosts of the Strange Bedfellows PDX podcast. Follow them on Instagram at Strange Bedfellows PDX. Um, she said, I can quote her on this. Condoms and dental dams for untested or anonymous sex is ideal, even if it seems weird or foreign because we never see it in porn. Interestingly enough, the results from a follow-up study six years after New Zealand decriminalized prostitution turns out a lot of people don't use condoms or dental dams or, or for anonymous or client sex. Many of us should if we are not in relationships. All contact touch is a risk in terms of transmission, whether it's a head cold or herpes. So my best rule of thumb is to avoid open sores and wounds in general. So that answer comes from L. Stanger, one half of the Strange Bedfellows PDX podcast. Please go and check that out. You have to search for it in the search bar. It's just Strange Bedfellows PDX. If you don't search it exactly, you won't see it because of its explicit content. All right, next question. We got events for something positive for positive people coming up. I've been mentioning this on the last several episodes that STD Engage is the big event that I've been working towards. I've created an abstract that connects herpes stigma to mental health and how important it is for us to be able to make that connection and begin to treat stigma, especially since there's no cure for herpes. There are ways to manage it, but I think that many of us can agree that the stigma and emotional effects for the majority of us 
often outweigh the physical symptoms. So I'm going there. It's put together by the National Coalition of STD Directors, and a lot of public health professionals are going to attend this conference. It's in Alexandria, Virginia, November 19th through 22nd. I am going to be recording live podcasts and shaking hands and hopefully able to get this podcast into uh, more people's range of uh, tools. So when people are diagnosed, maybe they'll be given this resource immediately and they're able to find support and connect with community right away so that they can begin their healing process a lot sooner than most of us are able to after our diagnosis. The next question I have is, what is your dream for something positive for positive people? My dream for something positive for positive people is that people find it. I know how challenging it is for people to find emotional aftercare resources once they've been given a diagnosis. That's often where we're not served by our medical professionals. And I mean, it's not their job. Their job is to treat the physical symptoms, not any more than that. Like, that's it. So ideally, the big picture dream for something positive for positive people is that when people are given a diagnosis, they have a place to go so that they can connect with community and be able to figure out their own healing process through the stories of other people's healing processes. And hopefully they get to a point where maybe they want to share their stories or maybe they um, are more comfortable with beginning to talk about it and that they receive like understanding that the stigma itself is often what we identify with after a positive diagnosis. And maybe they'll be able to just move forward from that a little bit sooner. So that's my big picture dream for it. I mean, um, ideally, I'd be able to travel to guests whenever I'm doing the interviews. We'd have better sound quality. Um, then I would be able to fix some of the brokenness in the medical community by bringing awareness to the stories of the people who come on this podcast because we've already talked about some issues that are much larger than just poor sex education if that makes sense so um that's what i'm hoping for um for people to just be able to get access to it a lot sooner and not have to go through a lot of the struggles that i had to go through or many people who've been living with stis for years especially herpes feeling like they're alone or stuck or anything like that next question i have is what is the biggest thing you've learned i've learned that i'm always learning the minute you think you know it all or you know everything is the minute that you begin to stop learning. I've learned that it's important to live in alignment. And when I say alignment, I mean the things that I've learned from my personal experiences in life and being able to explore those and accept the parts of me that I like and don't like and make changes wherever necessary that align with my values, my integrity. Um, I've learned that I'm motivated by connection. I used to think it was sex and food that motivated me, but it's just connection and food is a way to connect with people. So like whenever we meet up in terms of like family and friends, I've always learned to 
like we'd have barbecues. Like having barbecues were probably some of the most connected times of my life. No, I didn't like everybody who was at the barbecue. There's always a drunk uncle or some shit. But <laughs> those I, I associate food with an opportunity to connect. So um, bringing that all together and integrating it, I've learned that connection motivates me. And I feel most connected to when whatever it is that I'm doing has my three values involved. So my three values are evolution, liberation, and peace. So whenever I'm about to participate in something, I ask myself, do these things align with my values? The thing that I want to do, does it align with my values? If the answer is yes, we move forward. If not, then I examine it a little bit differently and see how it fits. And if I'm open to moving forward in the experience, then I do it that way. SPFPP in five years, where do I see it? In five years, I see it not being necessary. I feel that we are so close to not needing this resource because the stigma is becoming exposed for what it is. I mean, it's a collection of opinions from people who have no idea what it's like to have or live with herpes. And when we can get to a place where we are all able to advocate for ourselves in this community, when we're all able to bring in our loved ones and support systems to how we feel, I think that we begin to take down all those stigmatizing herpes jokes. I think that we can bring more awareness to the fact that when you get tested for STIs, regardless of how people view cold sores versus herpes, you know that you're not being tested for herpes and that there's a chance that you may have it and there's a chance that you may be exposed to it. And that's okay. It's treatable. And I think that when we're able to know these things that we often learn immediately or with time after our diagnosis, um, if more people are aware of that, I think that it gets a lot easier for us to manage. And we don't have to worry about the suicidal thoughts, which may still happen. But if we're able to get to a place where we're able to feel like we can still connect with people and receive support from those around us, it makes it a little bit more easy to tolerate and deal with. Maybe the number of people who experience depression goes down dramatically. Maybe with this information, the new cases of people who are positive uh, goes down. And the people who test positive unknowingly, I mean, goes down. So with this level of transparency that I hope happens over the next five years, I mean, I believe that something positive for positive people may not even be necessary and it can turn into something else because it isn't necessarily exclusive to people living with STDs, um, at least the podcast. If you listen to any of the episodes where we just talk about relationships and dating and race issues have come up, social justice issues and sex education as a whole, I think there's always going to be some sort of a fight that needs to be had and I, I don't like to use the word fight but there's always going to be some sort of a, a a problem that can be resolved with a space like this and being able to have challenging conversations and um, using real experiences to understand how we can navigate uh, tough conversations and move forward so um, in five years I 
see something positive for positive people <laughs> evolving into whatever it is that it's supposed to be in order to liberate people and bring peace to them, bringing it back to my values. The next question I got was, how big is your heart? <laughs> I love this question. I, I blushed when I read it. Um, to give you an idea, I mean, I don't want to brag at all, but uh, this is very relevant to a story that it's something that recently happened a few days ago. I had one of my clients that I trained, tall guy, uh, bigger built, strong guy, and he had issues with his knee. And whenever we'd work out, we'd work out around the knee pain. And after a while, I just let him know. I was like, hey, man, I think you need to go and check out a doctor. Like, I gave him a foam roller for him to roll out those IT bands. And he said that that helped tremendously. But there was just still something there for him. And we talked a few times. He listened to the podcast. And um, as far as I know, he hasn't had any issues with STIs. But he just listened to the podcast and um, in some conversations that we had. Uh, there were some things that he opened up and was vulnerable about. And I guess I gave him some advice, he said, <laughs> and he took it. Um, the advice that I gave him, I mean, simply put, if I'm uh, just repeating what he said, he told me to, uh, he told me that I told him to go to the doctor. He goes to the doctor and finds out that he had some precancerous cells in his intestine, I believe, and that he just needed to continue to check in um in addition to that he had been continuing to roll out his knee and that loosened up for him and he told me he had this dream of being in the firefighter academy and he calls me the other day and he's like hey are you at the gym i wasn't there um i let him know when i'd be there so he shows up and he throws his shirt at me i open it up and it's his firefighter academy shirt and he just starts thanking me, telling me how the advice helped. And I'm sitting there like, whoa, that shit works. So <laughs> um, another thing that I learned was maybe I should start taking my own advice. I think that that's something that we all can learn as well. But closing out that question, though, how big is your heart? I think it's as big as you want it to be. I think that the power of the heart is really in sync with emotions. And being in tune with your emotions allows for you to help elevate the emotions of those around you so it's not necessarily the size of it i guess it'd be like the kinetic expansion if we're looking at a picture of a wi-fi uh how wide it goes so i have an expansive heart i don't have a big heart if that makes sense the last question i got is this the podcast i'll be on i think i'll let you answer that one <laughs> so oh, yeah, you invited me to be on a podcast and I was super excited and I saw that you were going to have your 100th podcast and I was like, oh shit, is this the one that I'm going to be on? That's, that's a lot of pressure. No, no pressure at all. Uh, so I have Dora here with me. She manages the Instagram account, Strictly Sex, and it is exactly what it sounds like, Strictly Sex. When you go to the page, you should all go and check it out. It's at Strictly Sex on Instagram. And just scroll through there. You got to see it for yourself. I, I'm really weird about saying these kinds of things still, even after being in this space of sex positivity, like talking about gang bangs and coming on faces and deep throat and like throat fucking and stuff like that. But you just so openly 
express these things on the page. And you are just such a brave soul for that. I feel like I just, like, well, I don't know if people actually think the same kind of shit that I do, but I feel like I just think something, and I've always been, like, if you're thinking about it, just say it. And, I mean, it's gotten me in trouble sometimes, and I mean that in, like, a sexual way. Like, I don't mean that as you think something rude, so be an asshole. Like, you have to know where the line is. Um, But, yeah, I just say what's on my mind, and half the time I come up with this shit, I'm, like, on the treadmill or, like, using the bike or opening your refrigerator and you see some almond milk surrounded by five cokes and you think oh gangbang (laughs) now imagine if you opened up one of those cokes while it was in the fridge and it exploded everywhere then you got a bukkake oh my goodness and it was so early in the morning for that oh what encouraged you what encouraged you to start the page And I want people to know why I'm remaining anonymous. It's not because I'm on a uh, herpes podcast or anything like that. I'm very open about being um, positive and testing positive. I'm basically remaining anonymous for the sake of the Strictly Sex page. Um, Right now, it's pretty new. It's something I'm just trying out. And I've always been very open and honest. And I thought, hey, like, what if I just had people not know who I was? And what if I was just a little bit more private with my identity but very open with my thoughts let's see what happens so just want you to know that's why i'm reading anonymous um as far as the page goes i love sex i love communication and i love humor and i'm like killing myself trying to figure out what can i do to bring all three of those things together in a platform where i can communicate with people and like have open conversations with people because some of my favorite conversations and connections and friendships have revolved around strictly sex conversations. So I just thought that would be a cool way to connect with new people and express my thoughts. Yeah, that's awesome. I, have you looked for any sort of communities like this? As far as communities where I can connect with people over sexual content and just like dirty minds and dirty jokes, I haven't I don't really, I don't even know where to start with that. The closest thing I can say that I do is I follow people like you on Instagram or like Elle, like you mentioned, I love her. And like just kind of finding like-minded people um, to connect with over Instagram. There's not really, I don't even know where, like would I go to a BDSM party? Would I go to a fetish party? Like I don't know where I would find those kinds of people that like to talk about the same things that I feel comfortable talking about. Yeah, that's tough to find like-minded people. I mean, in general, for whatever it is, I'm very pumped that we have internet because I can't tell you how I would begin to express myself through the things that I find myself uh, drawn to had it not been for the communities that are available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially with um, what you and I are going through and a lot of people listening to the podcast, herpes. So many people keep that a secret and don't feel comfortable talking about it. But I feel like the more that we talk about it, obviously, you know this, like the more that people will be comfortable or accepting. Yeah. I always try to use humor, right? Like as soon as I was diagnosed, I started telling people, and I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism for me. I don't think it is just because 
I, I like to make jokes and like I've always, whenever I'm in an awkward situation, I just make a joke about it. So when I tell people now, like the other day, my mom, I was talking to my mom and I told her, you know, I'm really into photography. And she said, that's great. Like explore whatever interests you. And I just looked at her and I was like, well, that's probably how I got herpes. Like, like I don't know. It Like you can't, there's not like you have it. There's nothing you can do about it. Why not just accept it and if I can make people laugh along the way or like lighten the situation to make them more comfortable too, because that's gotta be awkward having someone tell you something so personal, like. Especially about something that you don't really know much about or you have a preconceived notion about such as herpes. So you think that you, something I hear commonly is that people think that they can tell what a person with herpes looks like. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I've talked to multiple people, like my friends about it. And I tell them about my experience and my symptoms and things like just like what I've experienced having herpes. And a lot of the times I get responses like, oh, that's so strange. Or like, I didn't know that. Or, you know, like people are just so shocked and then they get curious. They're like, oh, like, and then you see in their face, they're like, I wonder if I have herpes. Oh, I haven't had that one yet. I don't know if anyone's ever, uh, anyone I've ever told has been like, I wonder if I have it. I think that more people are afraid of getting tested or they would probably think, I hope I don't have it, especially after hearing that it's something that can have no symptoms at all. People will either get really defensive and be like, oh, I don't have that. Or they'll be like, oh, shit, I don't want to know if I have that. Yeah, that was actually like something that I struggled with for the longest time and I mean, I've been having sex for over 10 years, so it's something that, that's been going on a long time for me. But for the longest time, I I wouldn't get tested because I didn't want to know. And, like, I was one of those people. I was like, I, if I don't know, like, it can't hurt me. Like, I was, I think it was, like, denial because I did have um, a lot of partners when I was younger just exploring and experimenting. And I was definitely one of those people that was like, I don't want to know. I'd rather not know if I get like itchy or if I burn, like then I'll go get tested. But until I have a reason to go get tested, I'm not going to get tested. And that's totally the wrong way to go about it. And now that I'm older and more mature, I obviously, I realized that, but yeah, I was one of those people for sure. So it was your diagnosis that brought you into awareness of wanting to be on top of your sexual health status? No. So I think it was a mixture of anxiety and, uh, I think just growing up and becoming more mature and taking responsibility for my own health and not only my own health, but my partner's health. Like how bad would you feel if you gave something to someone? Like for me, I would be heartbroken and I would like, I'd feel like a disaster if I gave something or passed something on to someone. And I think it was just part of being mature and growing up. Now I get tested before and after I'm with someone and, it's a pain and I get so frustrated because they don't test for herpes. So as much as I was taking responsibility and I thought I was doing the right thing, well, I still ended up having herpes and I don't know how long I've had it for. I don't know if I've passed it on to people. I've had partners that have herpes and I'm now I'm thinking like, Oh shit, did they get it from me? And I just didn't know I had it all this time. What's interesting about your story. You said before that before you, tested positive for herpes that you had a partner have an outbreak and then let you know that they had herpes can you tell us that story yeah so early 2017 this was february 
2017, I had recently started seeing a guy, and we were together for about a month. And it started, like, I don't know, I don't know if this is, like, a guy thing, but they're like, oh, I jerked off too hard, and now I have, you know, some pain, or, like, oh, I got my dick caught in a zipper, like, like just all these excuses and whatever, and, um, but like, once this guy got super sick and was having flu-like symptoms and felt weak and things like that, I was like, man, like, you need to go to the doctor and figure this out. So, um, finally he went and turns out he had herpes and I just remember how mad he was and he's like, who the fuck gave me herpes? And I'm thinking, well, I met you on Tinder, so probably could have been a number of people at that point. I didn't know I had herpes. I never had any symptoms or signs. And to this day, I don't know if I gave it to him or if he gave it to me because the only other experience I've had with herpes prior to that is I dated someone, and I don't know if you guys have this in the States. Do you know is the dirty a thing? If the dirty? Um, what's that? Can you it's like explain it? It's really mean, actually. It's like a website where people just talk shit about people that are like dirty or that are um like have multiple partners or like it's basically a, a bullying website i feel like no shit i uh, i feel like i've heard of something like that it might have actually even been called the dirty but uh that sounds like something i may have just heard of on a tv show yeah so the only experience i had prior to this gentleman in 2017 that ended up having herpes was i was having relations with a guy and one day someone said oh he's on the dirty he he has herpes so this and wasn't now, this wasn't proven I, this was just something that someone said to you it's not thing that someone said so now like i now i'm questioning well shit have i had it since that guy which was many years ago and i'm like well have i had it this whole time and i didn't know and then i gave it to this guy in 2017 like i was just baffled so yeah, partner had it in 2017, and him and I were are no longer together, and that relationship only lasted about six months. But two years goes by, fast forward to April 2019, and I have herpes. That started with the guy that you um, were with in 2017. Did that relationship end because of the herpes? Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. All right. I just wanted to make sure and clarify that. Um, so 2019, you were diagnosed with herpes this year. Yeah, this year. It's like super, super fresh and new as far as I know. I mean, <laughs> fresh herpes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like really frustrates me because there's no way to know where you got it from. And people always ask, like they're curious. They're like, oh, like, how'd you get that? I'm like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, April 7th, 2019, I found out I had herpes and it, how it came to is I was feeling in the days leading up to it, I was feeling pretty nauseous and dizzy. Those were the only symptoms that I really had, but I've, I've felt those things before. I felt nauseous. I felt dizzy. It depends, like, because sometimes your diet is off or your hormones are off. Like, there's so many things that can cause nausea and dizziness. So didn't think much of that. When I did think much of it, though, is when the night before I found this bump, I had shaved. And the next day, I went to the bathroom, and I felt, like, a stinging and 
burning sensation, not when I was peeing, but like when I went to wipe, I guess some pee had touched this bump. And I was like, well, fuck, that's not normal. So I investigated, you know, I had my foot up on the bathtub, I had my mirror and I'm like looking around and I saw a bump and I was like, oh, well, I shaved yesterday. It's probably like, you know, an ingrown hair or like a pimple or something. I didn't think too much of it, but since it was stinging, I was like, you know what, let me go to the doctor's because I get anxiety and I'm like, let me get this tested. And of course I had a, I had a partner at the time. And if something's wrong with me, I'm like, I, I have to know because I don't want to put them in danger or give them anything. So I went to the doctors and the doctor was so nonchalant. And he just looks at me, he's like, yeah, it's probably herpes. I'll give you this medicine, but we'll send your test off um, to the lab. And I was like, okay. That was your yeah. reaction? Was that it? What was that? Was that just your reaction? Um, I, I was, I, I was like sad. Like I started to cry and I was sad, but not because I had herpes. Like having herpes is not what bothered me. I was more worried about having to talk to my partner about it. I was worried that he was going to think I was unfaithful or that he thought maybe he was going to say what she ended up saying like a week after, but he, I was worried he was going to think I knew the whole time about this. Um, and just like the stigma and having to say to someone, I have herpes is something that I was uncomfortable with. It wasn't the actual diagnosis itself. Like whatever, I can deal with that. There's medicine and you know, there's nothing you can do now. You have it. How did he respond when you told him? He seemed kind of angry and like unsure that's a lot of information for someone to get over the phone when they're at work. But like me being me, I don't wait. If I need to tell you something, I'm going to tell you. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, I was full on expecting him to like break up with me, but he ended up being mature and said, it's okay. Like we'll work through this together. And that lasted for how long? That lasted until he got herpes three days later his experience was a lot different than mine. Um, so I have HSV one on my genitals. So I have herpes type one on my vagina. So basically it's like a cold sore on your vagina. That's what I have. He ended up having HSV one, but it was all over his mouth. So the corners of his mouth, like his looked like the classic thing that you see online or like when you Google it and he got super sick, he had like flu-like symptoms, he was in bed and sleeping for like two days. His entire body was aching. Um, I would be sleeping. Like one night, he actually woke me up. We were in bed, and he was shaking so much that it woke me up. And I was like, you need to go to the doctor. And of course, a man being a man. Like, I don't know what it is with guys and doctors, but y'all just need to go. If you need to see someone, go to the doctor. But yeah, he ended up, he, he said that, yeah, we'll work through this. And then that happened and he started accusing me saying you probably fucking knew you had this the whole time and it was really hurtful because he understandably he was like blindsided nobody expects to be diagnosed with herpes but it was frustrating and upsetting to me because he was acting like it was only happening to him and I think he forgot that hey like this is happening to me too and no I did not know the entire time why would I go to the doctor and get diagnosed if I already knew I had it? Yeah, that's frustrating. And with him, he didn't get tested after you got tested. It took for him to have the symptoms and for them to get extreme before he went to the doctor. 
because I don't know about in the States, but like in Canada, they will not test you for herpes unless you have open uh, sores or like symptoms. They won't test for it even just in like a regular STI screening. So. Okay. So here I've heard a number of different things. There have been people who've gone in saying that they think they may have been exposed to herpes and not receiving testing. There have been people who uh, have said that the doctors won't test them. Um, unless they have a visible symptom and then there are places that you can go and get tested but it's really expensive to get that blood work done as well so we have all kinds of different options and I think that it really just depends on the medical professional and where you go in order to receive that test so he didn't have symptoms so he didn't get tested um, damn he just woke up with the shakes and all of that Ugh. yeah it was so bad yeah it's crazy how people can have such different experiences. Like the, both of the, the men that I saw that had herpes kind of reacted the same way about me. I've never been that sick. I've never been like bedridden, achy muscles. And I think that's the thing that like kind of threw me off when they said I had herpes. But at the same time, it didn't because I've heard like you can have it and not know. So it's like I was caught between like, it's funny because I had herpes and I didn't know like, which is like a classic thing. But also a classic symptom is like having the symptoms like the men have. That's what people don't understand. Like you can go without symptoms and not know and then you can have the symptoms and then they pass and they're so mild that you just don't catch it. You know, like maybe you had like a little bit of a cold or something at some point and mistake, uh, possibly mistaken and a herpes bump for an ingrown hair that's another common thing that happens as well so it's it's just such a tricky virus it, there's no way to know how long you've had it where it came from uh how extreme it is and it's just like we just got to get on the same page with understanding that totally it's like it's like having a cold i feel like it's, it's like you know i might get a cold once a year you might get sick because it's contagious or else uh you know, I'll go a couple of years without getting sick. I'll be lucky. And to me, it's like the same thing. Yeah. Just put you out of commission for a little bit. I mean, I guess like a cold wouldn't necessarily put you out of commission unless someone doesn't want to get sick. And they're like, ah, uh, we, we can take a few days off. <laughs> That's when you're like, I'll let you fuck me from behind, but just don't kiss me. Like, <laughs> Sneeze that way. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know. So you're a very sexually expressive person. You and I had, like, our first conversation, I had to, like, make sure that we set these boundaries because this is who you are, and I understand that if we're going to continue to communicate with one another, I have to accept this about you, and you have to accept this about me in terms of my fear of having some shit that I say screenshot and put on someone's Instagram story, and they're like, look at how Courtney talks to all of the women he talks to, and I'm like, ah... That's not the case, but then it'd be my word it gets theirs. So how do you... Oh, wait, I think I just asked a question. Did I ask a question or no? I don't know. Um, I was waiting for it. I was like, what am I going to be asking? I see. Yeah, like, that's how that's how these things go. I just get so sidetracked sometimes. That's how I start talking, then I'm like, wait, what were we talking about? I guess I'll just... Okay, it's your turn now. Like... <laughs> no, um, my question is being as sexually expressive as you are and us having set our boundaries i'm curious to know your experiences with you're you're a heterosexual woman right yes i am a heterosexual woman however i can appreciate 
the beauty of other women's bodies. Oh. Or your girlfriend that like points out the good looking women. I'm like, look at her tits. Oh my god, look at she's so beautiful. Like some people are like super jealous or they have, have like confidence issues. But for me, I'm heterosexual, but I can enjoy the beauty of another woman. Gotcha. All right, and I ask that because I find that women have a lot of complaints about men and how we tend to sexualize women unsolicited uh, just talking about like sending dick pics and um you mentioned that you keep yourself anonymous from the strictly sex instagram page is that kind of a reason for that i think the reason i'm keeping myself anonymous is just because i want to be able to put my thoughts out there i want to be able to have these conversations with people and i don't want the community that I'm a part of now to necessarily like judge me for it. Um, I also wanted to pursue a certain career and I didn't want anything I post online to negatively impact that. So it's more so to keep my options open, but also because I know if I put the kind of pictures of myself that I put online, I would probably be getting some unwanted attention. Yeah, and given that you are attractive as you are, I can see, like, shit being out of hand, seriously. Just, like, the DMs, just... Uh, I see, again, just the screenshots of the people I follow of the kind of DMs they get, and they don't even post really sexual stuff. They just get dicks and send nudes and all these kinds of things. And I think that's probably why, like, I'm so scared to say the wrong thing to the wrong person, and it's important to set these boundaries and expectations in communicating with people. So for your community, I mean, do you have any boundaries there? It seems pretty open, like it's a very open space for sexual communication. Yeah, I want it to be an open space. I want people to feel comfortable communicating. I'm almost wondering if I should make it a private page so people feel like they can be more open. However, when it's such a new Instagram page, it would be hard to obtain the amount of followers to actually start having those conversations. So I think if it picks up a little more, then I'll shut it down to be private. But to advertise right now and to get people, you know, to come together and be like-minded and dirty-minded all in one place. I think it needs to remain an open page. Um, but the boundaries, basically, that I would be setting for Strictly Sex is don't be an asshole. Don't be judgmental. Um, this is a place to have open conversations, and it's not a place to meet people, to try to pick people up just because they're comfortable about talking about sex. And it's also not a place to bully, so it, it's there would be no tolerance for that mm -hmm. and what do you did your diagnosis have any sort of influence on you needing a space to express yourself sexually I don't think it has anything to do with the diagnosis like I said I'm pretty comfortable with it I've accepted it um, it doesn't define me it's basically just a part of me now um, I think the biggest thing that has influenced me needing a space to be able to share my thoughts and like have a, it's just like an outlet. Um, the biggest thing that's influenced that I think is being single right now. I'm single. I haven't been in a relationship for about three months, so I'm wanting to connect more with people and build friendships. And I just don't know how 
to do that in this um, stage of my life because it's not like I'm in high school and you go to high school and you meet people or um, I, I don't go and do any like extracurriculars and for the ones that I do uh, they involve the and the golden rule at the gym is don't bother people and don't talk to people which I hate because you're in a space surrounded by people that you can connect with but everyone or a lot of people I shouldn't say everyone but a lot of people choose not to I almost want to like wear a shirt that says come and talk to me i'm friendly or something it'd be interesting to see we're very connected but also disconnected and what i mean by that is we have so many opportunities and tools to connect on our phone that i feel as if that distracts us from the opportunities to connect that are right in front of us and don't get me wrong like I've met some amazing people through social media and connecting over the passions that we have um, but there's just nothing like presence like presence with people presence with another person being able to physically enjoy an activity with one another so I I support you in getting that shirt made come and talk to me but then I would think you were uh, one of those marketers Who's like, ask me about my skincare routine or ask me about how you can make $500 in a day. <laughs> I saw a shirt the other day and I told my dad, I was like, dad, I almost bought this shirt. It was so funny. It said, um, cause I was like, I was just looking for like gym shirts and I was like, Oh fuck, this is funny. Like maybe people will have a laugh when they're working out. Like maybe it'll make me seem more approachable because a lot of the times I've actually had people tell me that I'm intimidating, but I'm like, I'm five two. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I told my dad, I saw this shirt and it said my sexual preferences often. And I just thought that was hilarious. And I was like, dad, like, wouldn't that be so funny? Like just to make people laugh. He's like, yeah, or it would be a good way to get picked up. And I was like, huh, I didn't think about it like that. Oh, you have such a good relationship with your dad. It seems like I wouldn't have considered, uh, you having that kind of relationship with him and being able to be as openly expressive sexually with him as you are, even just talking about that shirt. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, just growing up and how sex has been seen in your household or talked about? Yeah, definitely. So my parents and I are all very close. Um, I've actually taken both of my parents to Vegas separately. I took my mom to Vegas. We like went to a Chippendales show and that's a whole other story. Remind me to tell you about that because I'll get sidetracked if I uh, bring that up now. But yeah, like I've taken my mom to Vegas, taken my dad to Vegas. Dad and I went to a burlesque show. Like I'm very close with my parents and I think a part of that is I just am honest with them. And I'm open with them. If I had parents that were strict or now there's nothing wrong with religion, but if I had like religious parents that I couldn't be myself around, we wouldn't be this close. However, growing up, sex was not something that was talked about in our house. Mm, that's interesting. So now it's just, was there a turning point or a switch where it became okay for you to just be as casual with it, like how you just talked about uh, the t-shirt with your dad? I think I get a lot of humor that I have, like my, my personality. I think I get that. From, it's totally from my dad. So him and I are like totally comfortable. Some of the shit that he says, I'm just like, oh my God. Like we always make this joke because, you know, I'm 24 years old. I still live at home, but I also live in one of the most expensive places 
to live. So we always, I, like, I make this joke, I'm never going to move out. And he's like, don't you want a sex palace of your own one day? And I was like, no. He's like, oh, yeah, like, knowing you, it would be more of a sex dungeon. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And, like, my mom's, like, you can see my, my mom's a little bit more reserved. So she's, like, so embarrassed and just dying. But me and my dad, we just go back and forth. And, I mean, we, we just like to have laughs and we get along and he's my best friend so but it, it's so nice to have a family like that especially coming from someone that doesn't have a lot of friends I spend a lot of time with them so I think I kind of just corrupted them and made them accept who I am and now now my mom she's swearing and saying the word pussy and like oh my god like I, I just I, I just forced it on and I'm like here I am like I'm your daughter so yeah, you have such a big personality and you're so confident. What do you give credit to that? Like, how do you become as confident as you are? Because I would really like for people to take this, um, especially if they're newly diagnosed. You haven't had herpes that long. And here you are, you know, nothing's changed for you, except for now you choose to disclose to sexual partners that you have herpes. Yeah, so... As far as confidence goes, it's just who I am. I don't know if there's really a certain thing I can say, like, this is what changed my life and made me confident. Um, it's a lot of knowing yourself and being comfortable with yourself and not feeling pressure to um, not feeling pressure to make people like you. I know how I am. I know who I am, and I'm not going to change. So if I try to put on a a fake face or a front and then two weeks later the real me comes out and people are like who the fuck is this girl like I just don't waste people's time if you like me that's great if not um that's okay too not everyone gets along and yeah a lot of it just comes from owning your own shit and also one of the biggest things that I do I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism or if it's just me like trying not to waste my time and other people's times is like if I have something that I'm super self-conscious about, I just throw it on the table. And I, I think maybe it is a defense mechanism because if I'm being straightforward about something I'm self-conscious about, then people can't hurt me. Can you give us an example? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm self-conscious about my thighs. Like, I hate my thunder thighs. Or now the fact that I have herpes. Like, I'm self-conscious about that. I'm okay with it. But it's like, it's, it's just different. And um, like, I accept it, but I'm also self-conscious about it at the same time. Hmm. And how do you, you deal with that with the humor? I'm sure you probably make jokes about your thighs just the way, the same way that you do with herpes. Yeah, it's not so much like, it's not so much like if I hate my thighs, I'm going to like make jokes about it. But I'm just like straightforward with people like, People will be like, oh, wow, you're, like, you're looking really good. You've lost a lot of weight. And I'm like, yeah, but these fucking thighs, like, God, they're so stubborn. Like, I just point things out that I don't like about myself because then I feel like other people can't point them out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm up front, and if I'm forward with you about what I'm self-conscious about, then it makes me feel better because I, I'm not worried about people, like, judging me about it. Like, say I'm having a bad hair day, I'll be like, oh, fuck, I needed to wear a hat today because I couldn't get it together, like, I just feel like if I'm more open, then I'm not worried about what people are thinking about me. Mm. Okay. Have you lost friends because of that? 
because I'm open. Yeah, I mean, just like being who you are. Because I believe that a lot of us reserve ourselves in fear of losing the people who make us most comfortable or losing partners, friendships, connections, just out of the fear that we won't be accepted for who we are and what's happened to us. Have you found that to be true in your experience? Um, so for me personally, like what you just explained, that's how my mom is. My mom is, the other day we were in Lucenza and the lady had a sports bra and she's like, oh, do you think your mom would want to try this on? And I took one look at it and I was like, nope, she won't be interested. The lady took it in to the change room and my mom said yes. And I go into the change room. I'm like, oh, you tried that on. She's like, oh, I, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. So I totally get where, what you mean by, you know, we are reserved or we act a certain way because we're afraid of hurting or losing people. I get that. For me, I think the biggest struggle with that is people not liking me or people feeling intimidated by me or people think that I'm like maybe seeking attention or just just things like that because I'm so open and I talk openly about sex. I don't want it to come off as me being a slut or me being horny or, oh, that girl's open about sex. She's going to try to steal my man. Like I think a lot of it is intimidation and I've heard it multiple times like people are intimidated by me and I'm like like I said I'm five two what are you intimidated about you know what I think it is I think that um people who aren't able to be themselves are while they're drawn to people who are they're also they feel threatened by that their comfort is threatened because it's very hard to not be yourself around someone who is themselves. And you mentioned taking a look at your own insecurities. If you're having a bad hair day, like point it out, like, oh, yeah, I got to put this hat on because my hair is not cooperating or even with having herpes and just being open about that from the get go with people. Like imagine how tough it is for someone who has these negative beliefs about themselves, doesn't like parts of themselves to be around you who's so free and liberated from the negative thoughts that you have by just putting it on the table because it kind of forces them to look at their own and bring it to the surface and if we resist that's where the discomfort comes from whereas if we just lay it out there with you you know you say you have a bad hair day like well i'm having a bad hair day look at this shit <laughs> you know we're able to have laughs about it and connect over that we're really missing out on deep connections by inhibiting ourselves and limiting who we are around the people who create the safe spaces for us to be the most expressive selves that we can be and I feel like that's what you do with your existence with your strictly sex page and I just I look up to you and appreciate you for being able to share the thoughts directly from your head and put them onto memes despite the kind of judgment that you may potentially get for it well thank you yeah i think a big thing with that is just be comfortable with being uncomfortable just own it yeah all right what can people expect from strictly sex oh my goodness well you've seen the page like can like i mean it's my thoughts so really for me it's just just another day like can you think of a way to describe it oh i can totally think of different ways to describe it so um i don't know why 
I feel weird. I do know why I feel weird. I feel weird because there are mostly women who listen to the podcast, and I have this fear of like my how I'm looked at being uh, like I have a fear of being looked at differently if I'm saying like, "Oh, I agree with these things." Like, yeah, this kind of stuff's fun. Um, so I kind of just, I limit it to a certain extent, but like I said, being around openly expressive people encourages that openness. So man, I can't sit here and have that fear keeping me from practicing what I preach, you know? So, I mean, we talked about the almond milk surrounded by the Cokes and you looking at a gangbang and we're talking about like the guys coming in your mouth and not, it's not expected and not spitting it out. Um, there's some BDSM stuff on there. We talk about, um, like your greatest sexual accomplishment or something that you're just proud of that you've done sexually. And, uh, just seeing some of that stuff, like it's really cool. It's really encouraging. And I'm sure that people feel a, a sense of safety behind being able to answer those questions and not have to worry about judgment coming from you or other people seeing it and being judgy either because I'm sure it's all shit that we think of too like sex is not just penis and vagina intercourse there are so many other things around I like how you put two fingers through the circle instead of one that's awesome um but yeah that's not what sex is sex is so much more than that and it's supposed to be playful and fun and enjoyable and there's silliness to it there's some seriousness to it if we want to get into the bdsm and kink play um but yeah i i mean i'm i'm a fan like i you and i've had our conversations we've gone back and forth with our own banter and things like that so i mean i'm supportive of it i'm supportive of the space and it gets very uh vivid (laughs) <laughs> to it's say the cool. least, it's vivid. Um, yeah, so what people can expect then, I'll, I'll just kind of sum up what I'm about, is I just make dirty jokes, and I think shit's funny. And, you know, what you can expect, if you come on over to the page, you're going to see some stuff, and you're either going to be like, oh, or you're going to be like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, you're either going to be a little disgusted, or it's going to be relatable to you. It depends on the day, so... Um, just expect memes, expect questions. Like I want to connect with people. I want to learn about people's preferences. Like the other day I asked if you're single, do you prefer, um, sex with multiple people or do you prefer to have one partner? That's like a friends with benefits type thing. Like I just, I genuinely enjoy conversing with people about sex. I love communication. I love humor. And I, I just, I'm, longing for more people to get to know and connect with and enjoy and make friends with yeah and i'm really proud of you for creating the space like you had a vision for something you saw that there was a need you had a need and it's not being met so you created a space for you to get that need met so Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and share this with me. Is there anything else that you want to leave us with besides how to find you? Try new things and be an explorer. All right, Dora. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Hello for having me on here and happy anniversary. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So today is Sierra and I's two year anniversary. 
We've been together for two years now, and tomorrow is my mom's birthday, so I got to do a lot. <laughs> she ain't going to hear this. <laughs> I don't even know if she knows I have a podcast. <laughs> my mom totally asked if she could listen to it, and I was like, um, and she's like, well, what about you just show me what you want me to hear? And then she's like, I'll probably just hear you laughing a lot, and then be like, oh, you're laughing again. Like. That's the only part that's going to be safe for me to hear with that. Oh, no, I think we're good. We kept it pretty PG, right? Yeah, yeah especially especially considering the conversations we've had. This is very PG for you. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I can be found on social media at H on My Chest. You can visit the website www.spfpp.org if you'd like to make a monetary donation in order to just help us grow and expand and get our five-year goal and big-picture goal, dream goal all accomplished. Or if you know of any place that allows for people to submit applications for grants and funding for a project similar to this, then send them my way. I have no problem reaching out to whoever um, is able to help. Like I said, STD Engage is coming up, and I'm hoping for that opportunity to open up doors for us to be able to get this tool in the spaces where people need it the most and just maybe be able to even do more. I really want to support sex educators in their work because a lot of the problems that we have brought to this podcast often root in poor sex education. So if we can help future generations with a presence here, then by all means, like that's what I look to support. And I thank you for all of your continued support. Till next time, stay sex positive.